Hiya, uh, Evan, just doing a little preamble. Um, I have attempted to do this six times. It has gone poorly all six times. Because I do not have words or, or <laughs> written words or any place, to be honest, to comment on anything that's happening right now. I am a very white, very privileged male who is, has, and will be a privileged white male potentially for my entire life. And that is something that I constantly um, am reminded of. And, and upsettingly have to be reminded of and upsettingly have to to deal with the fact that through many 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 generations of people I have been drawn historically a very good hand and because of that I don't really want to talk about what's happening so I'm not going to the following, what you will hear, is Hugh Roberts uh, on his podcast, Backyard Footy, put together a roundtable of people that are not only exceptional athletes in their field, they are exceptional human beings in life, and to have firsthand experience uh, with all of this. And I would be incredibly hypocritical if I said that I cared and did not let them or ask them rather if I could post this audio uh, because I consider Hugh a friend and I consider Brandon a friend and I consider Mark McKenzie a friend and it would be against everything that I think I stand for if I didn't give those guys my platform and this show and the amount of people that we engage with to speak their minds I did it last year for Pride Month with Austin and with Chuck and with Ebony, and I, I want to give these guys that same idea and that same option, and I, I want people to get perspective, and I feel the need to post this audio. So, no, these opinions are not, in fact, reflective uh, necessarily of the Beautiful Game Network of Podcast, although many, 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 many of us agree that, yes, Black Lives Matter. They certainly, certainly do. They are not reflective of the clubs that these guys play for, the badges on their chests, or the leagues in which those teams can be found. It might not be the worst thing in the world if they were, but as a precaution... They are individuals with individual thoughts, taking individual actions and sharing with you and with me and with everybody individual, candid, open discussion about what's happening in this country right now. And it is refreshing, it is honest, it is uncomfortable, but none of it can be discredited, should be discredited, or will be discredited. And... Um, I appreciate Hugh for letting me take this show and put it on this platform that I have, and uh, I hope 
somewhere someone will be impacted by this and will feel the need to do something so with that being said I am incredibly irrelevant to this topic the next voices you will hear are people that are very much qualified and I hope uh, it sparks discussion and it makes people a little uncomfortable and I hope that you enjoy but not in the way that I hope previous podcast episodes have been enjoyed or will be enjoyed because it's not uh, fun having to keep talking about oppression and the system and how hard it is to get people to understand. So with what little platform and fuller clout that I have, I give you a topic and a podcast about Black Lives Matter done by Hugh Roberts and a round table of exceptional athletes and exceptional human beings. Uh, and I hope that education is at the forefront of what you hear next. Talk to you soon. This week on Backyard Footy. Agreed. I had a I had an interesting conversation today, actually. Um, and uh, it, was, it was one of the guys from my, my club, and we were talking about it. It's like, you know, what would be what would be so powerful? Could we could we even get to a point where, um, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd and George Floyd and, and all, you know, respect to his, his family to, to speak about his situation. But, you know, with the cops that were standing by, just as you talk about being in a room and we're not there. Right. And, uh, you know, when we get to a point where a police officer can see another police officer doing wrong. Right. And then, you right. know, what I'm saying like physically restrain him or maybe even, you know, take the, the, whatever, the, the type of tra tra training they have for, for individuals, civilians doing the same thing to a police officer who's, who's doing something wrong to, you know, a black man. I think that's, that's powerful too. You know, when, when is a, when is a, a white cop going to draw a gun on another white cop and say, yo, 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 that, that's wrong. Like, like drop your weapon, you know what I'm saying? Or just like you said, Bilal, when are you going to be in a room where, you know, one white man says to another white man, yo, we, we can't, we can't be talking like that. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm we, to me, I think that's an important part of this too, is, is I, I don't really have the, the answers. And I think just the discussion, um, maybe we'll come to a better place, but, um, you know, when, when we're not there, like how can we better get, you know, people, white people in particular, to, to talk to other white people when those statements are being made behind closed doors, when we're not in the same room. You know, I would love to be in the same room always, like you said, Bilal, like, I hope I hope that there's there's a, you know, from now moving forward, we have more of us in, in those in those rooms to stop those conversations when we're not. Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, that, that to me is, that, that's a big question. I, I, don't, I don't have the answers to it immediately. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, footy fans? Welcome back. I have a very impactful episode here for you guys. 
one with some history really on the line because I really can't tell you how many domestic players, black players really be speaking up, especially a group of us. So this is a lot of history in this. I'm very excited to share this with you guys. I have 12 current and former pros here with me on this episode. All of my guests not only excel on the field, but they each have their own stitch that they excel at off the field as well. So make sure y'all follow my guests, give them some love, give them a shout out, and make sure you tune into what they're doing with their social media and programs off the off the field as well. Like I said before in my videos and my posts, this is a humanity issue that we all need to address and come together. I really do appreciate all the love and support for everyone that's been tuning into the video. It's been beyond my fathom, my dreams. I was really just trying to get my voice out there and trying to say something over these matters. And I mean, even to have my, my boys here in the show, other dudes in the USL and MLS speaking up too, it's, it's, it's been good and I definitely feel it. But now let's continue this on and keep talking about this and keep the momentum going because we can't have these issues continuing, continuously keep going on for a while like that. And like I said, too, I have faith that all these issues will be hopefully resolved soon and we'll come to a better understanding as a country about our matters and our issues and shed some light. And hopefully when the new generation comes, they're able to have more freedom. That's ultimately what it is, just having peace and love and fun. But, yeah, have some, having a simple conversation with your partner, I mean, with your um, neighbor, maybe, with someone you work with, a co-worker, anybody. It's just simple steps and simple starts. Maybe taking them out to dinner, going on a walk, just saying hello. It just starts there, you know? Just getting out your comfort zone, your bubble a little bit. I know it's uneasy, but we're all just humans looking for love, too. So, without further ado, though, this is going to be a great episode talking about the black culture, talking about the problem with soccer in America for a black kid growing up. Give you stories real stories, authentic rawness, laughter, some moments dudes are almost in tears too. Like this is this is real and I'm excited to share that with you guys. Let me introduce you guys to my guest. CJ Sapon couldn't make it. He had a conflict with the team, but it's all goody. But I have my little bro Mark McKenzie comes through from Philly, four year pro, US national team center back. Played together up in Philly. Next, I have Joe Jow, another brother of mine from DMV, DC. Plays for FC Cincinnati now in the MLS, and he's also a me- was a member of the U.S. national team. Played for Dortmund and played for played in Germany in their academy system for 10 years. Next, we have Z- Zion Jones from Atlanta Academy. Went from Atlanta to the U17, U20 national team, to Schalke for a couple years. To here with the imp- Independence last year. And yeah, that's how we got to get together. One of my little bros, my man's doing this thing, about to go back overseas. Definitely tune into what he's doing. Next, I have GD4, top five USL all time leading goal scorer, top five USL all time minutes played. My, another big brother of mine from Richmond, really grew me in the game. Make sure y'all tune in what he's doing, follow on. Next, I have Aaron Mound, former guest on episode 23. Go back and listen to his story. Great story. Actually, he's on two of my shows. Definitely tune in to both of them. Eight-year MLS vet. Played with me in Charlotte last year. Another one of my brothers. Y'all definitely want to follow his career. Bilal Duckett. Two-year pro. Eight-year MLS... U- sorry, USL vet. Part of the USLPA. Another brother of mine in D.C. Living right now. Doing this thing off the field. But definitely represents us still now. Even though he's retired. Got my boy Toby up next. Four-year pro. 
played with three for Pittsburgh. Now he's at St. Louis. Every year he's been in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been the top two, three defensive units in the league. Another standout, another one of my little brothers from D.C. Definitely follow along with him. Next we got Carlton Belmar, six-year pro, 2015 Rookie of the Year. Really, I've been playing against my guy since college. I had one of the greatest college games of my career against him, VCU versus George Mason. But we've been following and supporting each other since. Been my dude off the field. He already knows what's good. Got my dude Brandon Miller next. Nine-year pro, 2015 goalkeeper of the year, USL champ. USL champ. My boy, but not only on the field, but off the field. He's been inspiring me, doing his thing, representing the team, representing his brand, making businesses, money moves, man. We really do be bouncing ideas off each other. Shout out to my guy doing his thing. Got my boy, Peebo Due, captain of the Latin FC, eight-year pro, another one of my guys from D.C. DMV. Top 30 U.S. Summers played, 100 caps as well. Seven different teams in eight years, another vet in the league. Make sure y'all follow my guide and his homegrown account as well. Lastly, got my boy Benga. Grew up with him in D.C. He's from DMV, Baltimore area. Seven-year pro, played overseas, played in the USL. Another close friend of mine. Grew up together playing with and against each other. But without further ado, let's get this incredible show started. Thanks for y'all for tuning in. All right, all right, we'll just start. So first off, before we really even jump into everything, I know y'all saw Drew Brees' remarks yesterday or today. How y'all feeling about that? Cancel it. Sell out. No warm-up? No warm-up. Straight into the sprint, baby. Yo, so, so what about language? language oh, I see Carlton in here. What's good, Joey? That was good. That was good. Do we have to hold back on language or what? Nah, nah. It's an open table, bro. Yeah, that nigga canceled, bro. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't understand. I don't understand he could walk the locker room every day for as many years as he has and and engage in conversations with the men in the locker room and the people he's been around right. and, and not be able to understand or at least shed some light to those who feel, you know, or in his circle or feel kind of the way he feels. That's hard for me to understand. Um, but I, I don't even know. I don't even know leader as well bro yeah right especially yeah. this man I mean, put out yeah. a black ig post for black blackout tuesday and everything trying to support the cause and then you say this a couple of days later yeah and that's, that's i mean that's my thing with the whole thing is like it's like every we're, we're around white people all the time like as footy players and stuff like that and prefer, and that's what that's what that's what's been upsetting me lately is like y'all are around us all the time you know what I mean? Like, and, and even like the, the little jokes that are made, like, you know, like you're black, you'll understand, like stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's those little things like that, that, that people are missing right now. And it's like, bro, like, this is nothing for us. Like at this point, we've allowed this to become normal. Like, it's just one of them things like whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's the same thing. Like if y'all saw the thing on complex where it's like the dude's talking about the things that how your mom warns you, like call you, like don't wear a hoodie out outside at dark or whatever. That's normal for us. We've been living like that for however many years, you know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. a problem, but then all of a sudden people are seeing it. Like, people have been messaging me because I reposted it. Like, that's crazy. I'm like, that's nothing. Like, what do you <laughs> regular. <laughs> that's regular, you know what I'm saying? But that, and that's the problem. Like, y'all been missing it for so long. It, and it, it's just, it's just hard to even like, 
you know, relate, relate anymore. Cause it's just been like, I, I've been in a weird mood. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm just off white people in, in general right now. I don't want to be that way, but it's like, it's like, bro, like it's been so long. And all of a sudden y'all are just now feeling some type of way about it. I can't, I can't get down with that. It's hard. It's, it's like definitely for the first time, right? Yeah, like their eyes have been closed their whole lives, and yeah. for whatever reason, right. this time they're like, "Oh, yeah." But the thing, my sister even asked me last time. She said, "After Trayvon Martin died, bro, George Zimmerman killed a kid, and people were still like, uh, he killed a kid, bro. That's a kid.'" Yeah. And then the what was that? The police killed that other kid that was playing cops and robbers. Oh, even oh. that one, and right. people were like, "Uh, he shouldn't have been playing with a fake gun. Like he's a baby." And now this one is what people are like, oh, but this stuff has been happening. Yeah. Yo, B, B, I want to, B, I want to go back to your point because you said something, you, you know, something real important. Like for me, because I've been doing mad reflection. Obviously, it's almost in the age that we live in where it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line between this being like, you know, real realization of like white people who really want to help out, and then it just becoming a trend. You know what I'm saying? Of mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to be supportive of black. A because it's the it's the cool thing to do right now, and B I want I don't want to look like I'm I'm you know against against black people, you know what I'm saying? So it's been kind of like eye opening for me. It's because like yo this this shit been happening, you know what I'm saying? Where were y'all when when even even Ahmad for real like no like nobody was really making this type of noise and, and commitment for for Ahmad, you know what I'm saying? Now that we're actually standing for this shit and social media is playing a big part of it. It's almost like, yo, like, who is really down with, you know, Black Lives Matter? Or are you just doing this to be, you know, for an image? You know what I'm saying? Right. right. I, think it's, I think it's mainly also, like, people, it's, it's white people are getting their shit destroyed now. Like, it's mm. like, all, all of a sudden, the shit's getting fucked up. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like, you need to take this seriously now so we can stop that. But it's like, bro, like, oh, y'all are still missing the point. It, it, it's going to be like, let's... Let's get them to calm down. We fix our stuff, and then it's going to go right back to the same stuff. Yeah, three, I, three weeks from now, when everything goes quiet again, it's like, yeah, that's be right I, back at square one. That's my biggest fear, bro. That's my biggest fear for real. As soon as everybody's able to go back to work, bro. As soon as the jobs open up, it's going to be over. We're going to touch on that too in a minute too. Yeah. My worst thing is that it's just become. An to you know, post the Black Lives Matter, post the Blackout Tuesday, and people don't really understand what they're posting right. or the movements. People are like, okay, I'm not racist, that's cool, right? But you have to be anti-racist. You have to actually do something besides just right. post on my screen because that really does nothing. You know, at the end of the day, it's like you got to donate to the right places. You got to reach out to your Black friends that they love parading around you know, and they have to ask them what they can do. You know what I'm saying? So that's the most frustrating part. It's become a cool thing to, you know, to be a fake activist. Yeah, and the thing oh, I, saw, I, saw, I saw that, like, it was like 26 million people posted a black screen, but we barely got 12 million people to sign a petition. Like, exactly. that's, that's the fucked mm. up part. Like, everyone's fake support and until until it's really signed petitions and, and and actually know your history about shit and no one's really really knowing those things so mm. everyone's really silent to the point where it's just like i'm only doing it for the clout really and truly just nice. so, so my black friends don't get mad at me and they say oh i'm not supporting when at the, at the end of the day you're all fake because you just posted a black screen just just because you saw everyone else posting a black screen you know what i mean so I've, I've been keeping all that stuff. I'm holding everyone accountable to it. If, if you're not a non-black person, you know what I'm saying, 
and, and you're not supporting the women, you're not fighting for us right now, then you're really against us. Yeah, I think yeah. when we talk about getting to the point where, you know, because of the Drew, Drew Brees situation, that was, that was something blasted for everybody to see. You know, it's been going on a, on a wide scale mm-hmm. uh, for, for time, you know? Like, it's not just the, the, black, the Blackout Tuesday, um, there's been a lot of, you know, people just doing it because the next man does. And they're saying, I have to fit in and I have to also be viewed as somebody who supports, you know, the movement or supports, you know, black people. And, and I, I think once it gets to the point of, it's like asking the question of how can we get people to, to be authentic about what they're doing, right? You know what I'm saying? Like understand why you're doing it, not just because the person next to you is doing it, not just because of what's going on right now. But it's like, you know, we, we're, we're angered by, by things like that. We're angered by, by comments of, and, and ignorance like, like Drew Brees put out. But at the end of the day, it's ha- it happens not just on a scale of professional athletes. You can go all the way down to, you know, uh, peop- we, we have friends that do it. You know, we're, we're, we have people that are close to us that we probably have no idea that are, that are posting Blackout Tuesday or, you know, calling somebody just to check on them, just to say, how are you? I see, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, when they don't really mean it. But if we can't, if we can have, for me, like an, an end, an end goal in mind to, to figure out how to better, to get these people to better understand what, what they are standing for. You know what I'm saying? We could, you can go out and protest and be standing next to somebody who's just out there, just, just as an optical, just, just to be, just to be there. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that now, you know, to be, to be fair with, with Drew, the Drew Brees situation, I think, you know, in this time specifically, I think you go back maybe, you know, let's say a year or two ago, it becomes a little bit of a rumble. It's forgotten about. And, you know, maybe Drew Brees doesn't retract what he says or come out with an apology. But now I think a positive in this moment is you have so many people banding together to chime in and say, yo, that's fucked up. And you need to open your eyes. You need to really, um, you know, take your, the brothers that you, you claim, you know, next to you in the locker room and, and the people that are next to you in society and really wake up to what they're going through. And the people who are now fighting back enough to where he, you know, even if he meant it or didn't mean it, puts out an apology to say, you know, people can't just continue to stand by, you know, comments like this. And I think we're in a time period where, for me, that's that's one positive that I've, that I've really taken on is that a lot of people now are, are saying certain things publicly. It's uncomfortable now for a lot of people to come out and say like a, a statement like that publicly because they know they're going to have to have a really uncomfortable conversation on the back end of it. And so just, just that, go ahead, Bill. I just want to add one thing to that is that right now you're right. Right. They see that thing publicly and they have to face that backlash. But one of the things that I'm most concerned about is what do people say when we're not in the room? For sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm retired. Right. I work in a space now that is predominantly white. And yeah, there's other black people, there's other people of the color there, but like our leadership is still very, very white. Sure. And there are plenty of rooms where important decisions are made that affect all of us, but there's no bit of color in that room. And representation matters. Like the fact that we're in that room changes things. But I would like, but even beyond just being in the room, like, when we talk about white allyship, to me, white allyship means that if I'm not in the room, it doesn't make a difference because you're gonna you're gonna point point your brother out and say, Nah, man, that's that's not okay. Exactly. Like we can't like we can't move like that because we're marginalizing this group of people. Yeah, yeah. 
Agreed. I had a I had an interesting conversation today actually, um, and uh, it, was, it was one of the guys from my my club, and we were talking about it's like, you know, what would be what would be so powerful? Could we could we even get to a point where, um, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd and George Floyd and, and all you know, respect to his, his family to to speak about his situation, but you know, with the cops that were standing by, just as you talk about being in a room when we're not there, right and uh, you know, when we get to a point where a police officer can see another police officer doing wrong. Right. And then, you right. know what I'm saying? Like physically restrain him or maybe even, you know, take the, the, whatever, the, the type of tra- tra- training they have for, for individuals, civilians doing the same thing to a police officer who's, who's doing something wrong to, you know, a black man. I think that's, that's powerful too. You know, when, when is a, when is a, a white cop going to draw a gun on another white cop and say, yo, 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 that's wrong. Like, like drop your weapon, you know what I'm saying? Or just like you said, Bilal, when are you going to be in a room where, you know, one white man says to another white man, yo, we, we can't, we can't be talking like that. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we, to me, I think that's an important part of this too, is, is I, I don't really have the, the answers. And I think just the discussion, um, maybe we'll come to a better place, but, um, you know, when, when we're not there, like how can we better get, you know, people, white people in particular, to, to talk to other white people when those statements are being made behind closed doors, when we're not in the same room. You know, I would love to be in the same room always, like you said, Bilal, like, I hope I hope that there's there's a, you know, from now moving forward, we have more of us in, in those in those rooms to stop those conversations when we're not. Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, that, that to me is, that, that's a big question. I, I don't, I don't have the answers to it immediately, but. Right. I, I like to I like to piggyback on that. Um, you know, like when it comes to the Drew Brees stuff, like you said, he posted a black square, and then the very next day, he makes that statement. Like what? And that's and that's part of like why I have uh, something in me kind of wants to stay away from the PR and the social media, although I see the value in it. But for me, it's about engaging in these conversations with those people that Bilal talks about who are making decisions. Right. So before I can sit there and, um, you know, for a club and, and put out a, a, a statement or do something as a representation of the club or any organization for that matter, I want to know if them people who are making decisions and who actually work within that, that club or that business or that organization or that family, what they really think, you know, have they ever had a conversation with a black man? Have they ever actually engaged in conversation to understand why people feel this way or for us, why they feel that way. Like what is it in your life that you've gone through that you've never been able to recognize what black people and other uh, people from not, you know, non-white people go through in this country every day. And, and for me, that's, that's my, that's kind of like my goal. That's what I'm trying to, that's where I'm trying to find my role in all this is like every person, every kid, every person, uh, parent that I come across, every teammate, you know, any, any opportunity to have a conversation uncomfortable or not, we're going to speak and you're going to feel me and you got to. And, and, and then when, when we not in the room and you go back to your peers and you have these conversations, well, now you got a piece of me or a piece of Sean or a piece of Blau or a piece of Hugh that a perspective that you can shed some light on your family or the rest of the people that you around. So that when they do speak out or speak negatively or falsely on our people, that somebody who's engaged in conversation is there to say, well, hold up, man. Let me check you real quick because this is what I was told or this is what I learned in my conversations and my experiences. 
And that's what we don't have enough of because for so long, people have been able to hide. You can hide from the shit. Somebody get killed by the cops. Well, it ain't my family. It ain't my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he must have done something. Why he shoot him? You know what I'm saying? Versus yeah, trying to really engage in, in, the, in the deeper issues. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. this shit ain't new. You know, like, it's been, it's, it was worse before we had cell phones. I hope everybody understands that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's, that's my part, man. That's what I challenge all the brothers that I'm around to do is, like, speak. Have conversation. So on that note too, like something crazy kind of happened. I think it was maybe Tuesday. Um, everybody's been getting back to training and everything like that. So it, it might have been Monday. I'm not really sure. I wasn't gonna post anything on social media because this, like, like I said, it's the same shit that's always been going on. You chime in real quick. You talk your shit, whatever. Two, three days later, quiet down. Next week, it's gone. Don't hear anything about it. It's the same thing that like. When, when those dudes on England were getting racially abused, everybody was like, stop racism. Everybody posted their shit. And then you haven't heard nothing about it since then. And then that, and that was that. Um, so like on Monday or whatever, I had said something. I was like, you know what? Like, you know, disregard everything that's going on. Rest in peace, George Floyd. But my whole thing is I'm sickened to see that there's people around me that I, I have respected and I, and I would consider, you know, friends of mine like posting pictures of like cops doing good things and whatnot and like trying trying to undermine, you know, the whole situation. And it's like, but at the end of the day, we're not saying all cops are bad. This is the same thing. We're not saying all white people are bad either, but there's some shit going on that y'all are failing to realize. Right. And that's, we're dying at the expense of y'all. And mm-hmm. so I posted that and the coach of Sacramento ended up reaching out to me. And, you know, he's like, yo, like, I saw, I saw the post. He ended up trying – y'all know Jordan McCray. I don't, I don't know if y'all know. Yeah, him, but yeah. yeah. Sacramento as well. Um, he, had, he had spoke to the coach at training or whatever, and they had a long conversation. He ended up reaching out to me. He said, I saw your post. Talked to Jordan. Like, you know, I want to do something because now I'm beginning to understand what's going on. You know, I, I, he, he said, like, he experienced it to an extent for himself. But he wanted to try and, you know, stand in support. And I was like, you know what, that, that's cool with me. Like, he's like, let's do a picture or whatever. And I was like, you know, the picture or whatever is cool, but, like, at, at some point there has to be something done. So, like, before that, we, we go the next day at training, we all get in a circle. You called in everyone at the club. Everyone came at the same time for training because we've been doing, you know, staggered times or whatever. You brought the owner in, everything, some of the front office staff or whatever, and we were all sitting in a circle there. And you kind of opened it up for discussion. And it was kind of one of them things where it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't really, I'm looking at a group of like white people, you know, for the most part, four or five like, black people. It's like, I don't really know what's about to go on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't really know what, what I'm going to say that's going to affect this in the right way. So Jordan started speaking. Um, I, he initially opened it up to Jordan and, and Jordan kind of got emotional about it. And I respect Jordan a lot because he even had the courage to stand up there and, and speak at that moment but got emotional about it. And it was, it was anger that came out of his mouth at the time. And he really wasn't able to, you know, really project, you know, the message, but it was more frustration. Like, this is what's been happening. Like, this is what I've experienced. You know, like people have called me nigga this, nigga that, da, da, da. And, and kind of like, like I said, got emotional. Wasn't really able to like get his words out. And then I was, at, in that moment, it was able to be like, yo, look, like, we're not, we're not against y'all. No one's against y'all, nothing like that. But all that we ask is y'all can educate and learn and be able to listen and understand where we're coming from at the end of the day. We're not, we're not trying to make this about, 
you know, black versus white or anything like that. But to be able to just sit here and like take into consideration what's happening around y'all and open your eyes is all that we can ask. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're not asking them to go start a million man march, go out there protesting because that's all cap at the end of the day. Y'all really not, y'all really don't know what you're out there for. But to educate yourself and, and begin to like actually see what's going on is, is, is a whole different world. You know what I mean? So, so I, I thought that was a good moment for, for us in that, in that sense right there with, with my group of people. You know? No, I definitely agree with that. It, it does take courage, though. It takes courage on all of us. Because you, you say you, you one black man or two black men in a group of 40, you know? Like, how brave are you? How courageous are you to actually speak your mind and speak how you feel? But then again, that's where, that's where, that's where I want to engage because I want to see how brave and courageous the others are, you know? Like, don't, don't sit here and, and tell me you support me or don't post on social media that you don't support me, but then... When we come face to face, you can't engage and, and actually come to an understanding. Like I'm not interested in none of that. So I, I respect that from you, Jordan, for sure. Yeah, and that was that was the whole thing. It was like I I, I wasn't even gonna say anything initially because it was kind of like, you know, I, I get I just get frustrated with it at the end of the day. That was that's been my whole thing and why I like kind of got an emotional myself. Like I'm just so frustrated with having to have these conversations. Right. Something that's so simple at the end of the day, if you really think about it, it's like. It's racism. That's all we're talking about right now. It's racism. Like, how can you not see the problem with that at all? And, and to see people kind of contradict that and want to go against it, okay. it blows my mind. And it's kind of like we're all educated enough to like, you know, there, there, there is sometimes there's a point where you just can't be ignorant. You know, like, there's nothing you can you can do to change some people's perspective no matter how many times you instill it. So that's why I get fed up. But in that moment, it was like, you know, people who were offering the opportunity to, to listen, hear people out. So it was like, you know, gotta say something. So what are, let's talk about some of the actual struggles about being black playing footy here in this country. I feel like people don't really understand us when we say it's a struggle to play being a black athlete here in this country, especially playing soccer, which is a predominantly white sport. So what are some of the actual struggles for us from the youth system coming up? Hmm. <laughs> No, 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 no. That's all we got. You're, like, you're, no, you're not really black. You play soccer. Thing. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, we we are we're always around pe white people. You sound you sound white. You know that that conversation. I've heard that so many times, man. Most, it's like, oh wow, like you don't really sound like you're black. Oh, he speaks so much. <laughs> like, what's that? Right? Yeah, I mean, like, what? Just because you can articulate your words, like what? Right. And it's like you're just. We, it's, it's, I think that definitely comes from. I even talked to my mom. I was like, we just come, especially being from Virginia. It's all white people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's mm -hmm. all white people. And growing up playing soccer around there was like you're the one black kid on the team. So at all the all the little family uh, team cookouts, whatever, you're the only black people there with your black parents as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look on the sidelines, it's only your black people right there and then everybody else. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to give my parents shit for it, but they're, they're standing off to the side while everybody's over here doing their own thing. Cause it's like, at times you can't really relate to what's That's going on. Different. You know what I mean? It's, it's, Man, coming up, in, coming up in Maryland, people, people in Banga, they know, and Hugh knows, like we were playing youth soccer. We used to be beat.
beating up on a lot of these teams, and a lot of the white parents used to say that we were overage. <laughs> You're too athletic. Bro. Too athletic. They used to say that we had kids in Africa. We're 11 oh years old, 10 God. years old. Parents are on blogs saying that these kids have kids in Africa. They're not 10. They're not the age they say they are. You know, I remember uh, when I was playing with Diffusion with Banga, I forgot where we played this one team at, but after we had beat this team so bad, a couple of the players, they called us nigger. And this, this is youth soccer, man. This is youth. <laughs> so you know that's what's being said in the house. Right. No young kids are just bringing that out on their own. Like, that's how their parents are talking. Right. And you're just experiencing this stuff. And, like, I remember, you know, me, Lester, Banga, Marquez, we were, like, angry. But, like, not until I'm older now and I'm looking back and I'm like, man, what type of shit was that? This is youth soccer. Why are parents going on blogs talking about little kids? You don't have anything better to do? My thing thing, uh, is kind of, like, the way that we're described. You know, like... uh, you know, that's he's like, an athletic guy. Uh, he's and all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, that's all he has. Bro, yes, bro. Oh, my God. Nobody's ever described Aaron as an athletic that, that box. You know what I mean? Like, like, you, have a, you got a guy like Adam Traore, right? He's over there playing for Wolves, balling out, and just playing, like, a really high level, but he's still raw. You know what I mean? Like, nah, that man's in the prem. Like, yeah, like that dribbling is refined, bro. You can't just dribble through people like that with no technique (laughs) at that speed. Like, at that speed, what goes into it? You know what I mean? And to to belittle us and to kind of take all that natural talent and and uh, practice talent and then put it all into just like, oh, your ancestors were athletic. That that hurts. That hurts. There's too much work going into it. I, I agree 100%. I also think that we're failed often because, like, the flip side of it is we're never really put in, or at least in my experience, never really put in positions or scenarios where you can continue to develop beyond just using the one thing that's easy for us to use at, at youth soccer, right? Like, just run fast. I'm not going to teach you anything because just run fast. And it's like, well. Put the fast ball a guy up top. He can go score. Yeah, give me. Hey, Benga, you're muted. Yeah, or he can jump. Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I heard you. I saw you moving your mouth. I was like, no. Nah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I was agreeing, bro, because, like, it happens, man. It's like they literally, like, they'll put you – if you're black and you're fast, you're in the back, you're up front. You're not playing in the middle. Nope. You're not playing in any position no. where you can dictate the game. It's mm. you. You run back fast and you stop the goal. You run fast and you score the goal. Simple. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, I mean that's these cool. things. These things are cross sports. So like, you know, the cute black QBs are going through the same shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we see it in other sports. It's just yeah. it's too much. I think that the the big thing for me, uh, like when you asked that, he was like the the just the everyday grind of like the weight of being a black man in America, while coupled with also having to compete at the professional level. Like going to practice every day and having, you know, having to deal with something like a George Floyd, you know, having to deal with with all that that that's going on, how that affects me as a black man in America, right. and going to going to practice and you know seeing all my white colleagues, all all my white, uh, you know, players and and coaching staff and just you know, I'm dealing, I'm dealing with not something. bothered, bro. Not yeah, bothered that at they're all. not dealing with that they don't have to deal with because of, because of the way that the, the, the 
America is. Like they, they just, you can ignore it, but I can't ignore it, right? And so I'm, I'm stepping into practice with my mind totally in another space. Yeah, you know, obviously, I gotta, I'm trying to focus on, on uh, training as best I can, but at the same time, I've got all this in the back of my head that's, that's clearly affecting me. And I, it's just, it's totally different. Like I would love to go to practice every day and just be able to focus, but it's, it's, it's extremely hard as a black man in America to yeah. just focus on soccer. I had one, like one or two experiences like that that really stuck out in my mind where I was struggling and, and I, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I tried to explain it to the coach and all he told me was don't bring that here. So I'm like. Right, just block it out. Like I, I can't just block out what's going on. What? And that's the thing, B. If you react a certain way, you you look at it as you a, get like, labeled angry black right, man, yeah. you, you right. aggressive. They just don't understand it. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough to kind of get them to understand that. Bro, I was gonna say I was gonna say something along those lines, like having to constantly bite your tongue in certain situations because you don't want to get blackballed, bro. Because mm-hmm. a lot of that that does happen a lot of times. If, if something, yeah. If yeah. something happens, and then you want to express your opinion, like no. Nah, Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, don't get so angry, man. It's not that exactly. Hey, I'm not angry. I'm just reprimanding you for speaking false narratives, you know? Right. Sure. It's crazy. You got to constantly be watching what you say. Not Bro, the crazy thing is, too, like, it happens at all levels. And if you look at the highest of levels, and I always say, you look at Pogba, it's like, bro, the guy, the guy can be at home with his family having a good time. He's in someone else's mouth. Exactly. Oh, he's oh he's dancing. Why can't he? Why can't, why can't he dance? He he's not allowed to dance. Yeah. He can't enjoy his life. Like when he was that's injured, enough. they were getting on him because he was dancing. Like, come on, bro. That's literally Paul Pogba. When you when <laughs> doesn't he dance? <laughs> when, he, when he had his family wedding too, though. Like when he had a family like, wedding. Like a wedding, wedding, wedding. wedding. Cutting off, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'd like to uh, pick up off of that question though, like. Yep. Obviously, we've all had experiences on our own to deal with it, but I think the most um, like eye-opening thing for me is as I've gotten older to see how youth soccer in America is set up in itself. That's all about to hit on next too. I'm glad yeah, it's that. like you know, if I wanted to play for the good team, man, they was asking for all kind of money. Luckily, I was blessed with ability, and I, I worked hard, so I was able to play for the good teams. You know. Maybe, you know, I had to travel three or something, three and a half hours or two, three hours, you know what I mean, to play for a good team. But then looking around, all my, all the kids on my team, they rich white folks, you know what I'm saying? So it's like just the demographic of all of it was always, I noticed it when I was younger, but as I got older, that's when it really became evident to me of how you soccer is catered in this country. And, and a lot of people have spoke about that. And, and try to change that to give more opportunities to not just, you know, to everybody and, and all demographics as well. So um. The problem with the sport um, in this country, especially, it's just it's turned into a rich white sport. So you have some of these black boys and girls that are discouraged to play the sport because they don't see anyone like them on the teams that may be in the area. And obviously the financial cost is not, you know, sometimes it's not equipped for them to pay that. So it's like, in order for us to make a change in the demographic all around, we need to like we need to have more people in the room of color, you know, to see like how we can get more black brown boys in the game. You know what I'm saying? Because there are there's talent everywhere from black children, as you can see below. 
what one thing I'll add to that too is though is that um, I was I was fortunate enough growing up I was on the team with predominantly black not predominantly but like we had enough black guys on the team and we were one of the best teams growing up. It was predominantly black, bro. It was predominantly yeah, black. yeah we were like we were heavily we were heavily black, <laughs> um, and our head coach was black and he ran things the way it should have been ran in my opinion. Looking back on it, he ended up getting stripped from his team. He lost his team. He lost everything, and. I look back and I'm like, the best years of my development coming up was under him. I learned more about the game under him. And then you move on to the next stage and you're under, I'm not saying all white coaches because they're great white coaches, but I was under another coach who his mindset was, I'm just going to win at all costs. I'm putting players wherever I'm not even, I went from playing as a central midfielder to a left midfielder to a left back. And it's just like, they just move you around to where, okay, you're, you're black, you're fast, okay, yeah, go stick them out wide. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like in order for us to really grow, we need to keep our own and keep our own in good positions. For example, like, Joe's dad was a coach. Um, I think there was another one, Todd Haskins, he was a coach in the state of Maryland. Like, there were some good coaches that were really developing players, but then what happens is they never get their just due. They never get pushed up, never get elevated to where they need to be, and kids just end up falling by the wayside. Yeah. Yo, I'll add to that, just as you were saying. So, like, as my dad was was coaching in Maryland, so, I mean, he coached Banga, he coached Peebo, he coached Hugh, um, he coached Toby, coached a lot of guys. A lot of guys made it to the national team, college, pro, and all of that. And he's coaching in Bethesda, he's got all these accolades, and then all of a sudden, the coaches in the area start asking him, whoa, whoa, whoa where's your paperwork at? Where, 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 Where's your license at? Where, where's all that at? you can't coach it. We're going to have to kick you out if you don't got it. We're going we're gonna to have to kick you out if you don't got it. So, I mean, they make these guys go through the ringer. And now this is, I'm not, this isn't recent. This is like, you know, a decade ago, maybe, you know, before like, you know, um, the coaching courses and all that were super accessible as they are now. And just being able to put some of those coaches in position, like how many youth national team coaches are black? How, how many even have there been? Has there even been one? But I don't think there's been any any youth now. How do you, how do you feel about the lack of black coaches in this country too? That's one of my next questions. But we can even just piggyback on that. What's the problem with yeah. not having enough black coaches in the system? But just problem, because the problem is the system, really. That that's that's the problem. The system. Yeah. They don't they don't want to see a starting eleven with predominantly black players. They don't like that. They don't. They see that. Just for me, example. You know, I was with you know national team from U seventeen to U twenty and. They, I'm telling you, when you're doing better than the next white man, they hate it. They don't like it. They'll find any excuse, any any reason to, to take you off course to, you know, to, to let that guy play. It's, oh, you're not fit enough. Oh, you don't work hard enough. Oh, he has this better, all of that. But, you know, it's all a cap at the end of the day because we see, just like when I, when I go back to, you know, Charlotte, you know, Brandon, you guys know, Aaron, you know, you guys know my talent. You know what I can do for the team. And yet, you know, I barely got, you know, 12, 12 games. You know what I'm saying? So they don't they don't like the fact that you're going to beat out the next white man. So that's what they use for their advantage. Oh, they make up excuses with, with just the system. Oh, you're not fit enough. Oh, you need to work on this, that, and the other. And they'll just cap you down until they just can't, can't, even, can't even cap you anymore. But, you know, it's just life it's of being a black man, honestly. Me like you know I've been on teams where you know you have one coach and then that coach gets fired next coach comes in and the entire like 
makeup of the team changes, you know, from personnel to, you know, the way the team acts, the kind of the way the team thinks. Uh, and I think that that is like a function of the team taking on the coach's personality and starting to look just like the coach. And if you have no black coaches, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a lot harder for black players, like, because that coach is trying to have a team that looks just like him. You know what I mean? That coach is trying to have a team that has played like him, that has the same type of philosophies. I'm from a completely different culture. I grew up completely different. I played soccer completely different. Completely um, different. And I think that's reflected, and that puts us at an unfair advantage. You know, I would do the same thing. Like, if I'm, if I'm putting out a team, I'm going to have, you know, players out there that have a similar playing style to me or at least my philosophy. And, you know, there's no different trains of thought throughout the coaching realm, then, you know, we're fucked. Uh, apart from Thierry Henry in the MLS, is there any other black coaches? Has there been any other black coaches? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Robin Frazier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's been a bunch of assistant coaches, but... But, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah head coaches as well. That's, that's what they want. They're not going to make him a head coach, bro. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a head coach that's gotten, like, like serious leeway, you know what I mean? Like you can mess up and still have a job, and I've never seen that. Like, <laughs> I'm at that. and it's crazy because they recycle these coaches, right? It's it's a cycle, man. Like you get fired from one squad, and then two weeks later, yeah, they'll pay you for the next two years while you don't have a job. Yeah, and then as soon as you need right. bread again, you got a new team somehow. But, I mean, for me, I think the, that you look at what DeMarcus Beasley's doing right now, and I think that's a, a great way to, to go about breaking the cycle. You know, you talk, we talk about the, the people in power and not only the soccer structure, but just in general in uh, the United States. And, you know, a lot of these owners don't look like us. So someone like DeMarcus Beasley, who's, who's putting in the effort to become a member of a team, and, and hopefully he can do it in, in a way where he can cases that look like us um, in the front office in, in the coaching staff you know we had I've had the conversation with the front office here in Charlotte um, with the owners here in Charlotte you know there's no one that looks like me in the front office uh, there's no one who, who's making those decisions uh, the, the higher up decisions uh, that looks like me and so that's the hope for DeMarcus Beasley that he can you know start a trend start a wave where there's more of us who, who aspire to be to have higher roles than, than just, you know, a soccer coach. Not that, that a soccer coach is a, is a lowly role, but to, to be a, in a position of power, to put, you know, someone you know in a position to be a head coach, to be a GM, to be in that technical director role to affect change. In, in the I, I echo that. Um, just, just because I think, you know, we, we can't – I think part of, part of it is we can't stop just thinking – you know, a head coach is it for us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. I think thinking beyond that, you know, I think, you know, we talk about us here, right? And, and a lot of us maybe um, don't have the aspiration to, you know, coach a team, a professional soccer team. Maybe that's not what we want to do, but everybody wants to change, you know what I mean? And thinking about just the solutions of, you know, not just putting, you know, black head coaches, but, you know, you talk about black GMs, black owners, you know what I mean? Like you think about us as athletes, you know, we we technically work for another man. You know what I mean? Like when you break it down, we we are we're movable for the most part, unless unless you have you know a clause which is rare that says you, you know you're you're not you're untouchable. But but at the end of the day, I think um, the important thing to think about is 
can we get into positions where like everybody's been saying, we're making decisions, you know, we're able to shape a narrative. We're able to, to really institute that change. Um, because, you know, having, I think having a voice and a platform is fantastic. And I think, you know, moments like this is fantastic, but you talk about, uh, the end goal and like what it really means to actually to, to embark on that path of change. And I think you're exactly right. Is is not just stopping, not holding ourselves back and limiting ourselves to just, you know, uh, a head coach or, you know, you talk about us as players, not, not just, you know what I'm saying? Like making it to the pitch, but being successful and staying on the pitch under a coach where you maybe feel he's not made decisions based on, you know, not that, that weren't solely based on soccer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having, always having that, that vision of, you know what I'm saying? We can, we can continue to climb and get in those positions. And, and that's when the change, I think, really happens to me in the soccer world. I think you could, you could take that to the youth soccer level as well. Like you can be a part of the club or you can run the club. Um, yeah. I've, got, I've got a couple friends here in Charlotte who, you know, they worked for local, big local clubs. They, they, they did well there. And, you know, they said, you know what, I, I want to do this on my own. So they started their own clubs and they run successful clubs now in this area. I think there's plenty of, plenty of black coaches we know that could do that. Um, and our, ourselves, we can do that ourselves if, if that's what you aspire to do. But I think that instead of trying to fight through the system, I think we've got to start controlling our own destiny. Um, mm-hmm. soccer, uh, professional level, college level as well. And for me, this is going to kind of tie into the next question. I think in every single position, this is critical for us. In the little <laughs> ways from our first soccer coach, head coach, we need coach, coaches that look like us because kids can't be what they can't see. I think from the littlest things where we might be mad because we don't have food on the table at home and we come in angry and then a white coach might punish us for it and not play us, where a black coach might understand and have more sympathy and empathy because he came from the same backgrounds. Those little things speak volume sometimes. Being on a longer leash and a shorter leash than your white counterpart who might get four or five times after he messes up, or we only get one or two times, a black coach might be able to have some sympathy and empathy and give you more time just because you're struggling mentally at home. He understands that, where the white coach might not. I've been on the club team in Potomac soccer, and we were strictly black and Spanish boys. In middle school, we transitioned to academy in high school. We had a black coach in middle school, and then a white coach came through and took over, just kicked out the black coach for no reason. As just as we we're talking about on a short leash, came through. Some Spanish boys, black boys had a little bit of attitude. I'm talking about he wouldn't play them on the weekends. These boys are some of the most disgusting academy players I've ever been playing with. Didn't give them a single opportunity. Didn't get no college opportunities. Didn't get anything because this coach didn't have the same like-minded mindset as us. So going into my next question, keeping it 1,000, what are some of the negative effects a white coach might have on us black athletes? I, mean, you, I think for me, you touched on one of them, right? I I think like, a lot of you guys know I played it. I played it Notre Dame with Aaron. Um, I got that opportunity because the coach was persistent. And – I'm aware that my youth coach tried to keep me from getting the attention that I got. Whenever that, whenever I knew that Notre Dame was coming to watch me play, I didn't play. And when I did, I, I, was, I was a defender growing up. I was a defender in college. If I did play in those games, he played me up top for like five minutes. Wow. Wow. Um, tried to push like four or five different players in front of me. And – the coach stopped trying to go through him and went direct to the source and called my dad. Like, listen, 
this is what's happening. I'm not going to deal with them anymore, but I'm still interested in your son. Thank God, right? Like that was, it spoke volumes for me. Um, but it can certainly keep us from opportunities if, uh, yeah, they can. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. It happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, that stuff happens a lot. Man. I didn't even know it. I mean, for yeah. me, I think I think they're um, in the sense like right now they're currently the gatekeepers, right? So like, you basically, if you want to make, you kind of have to do what they say. Mm-hmm. So you gotta. It's almost like you know, like that shut up and dribble, like they try to tell LeBron. It's like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you just gotta, people gotta bite your tongue. You gotta do all these little things. You got to jump through these hoops just so that you can play. Because you know, if ultimately, if you don't play, you don't go into the next level. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like, that's how it, to me, that's how it negatively impact, impacts you because you end up either balling up this frustration that ends up coming out at some point in time, mm. or you just become a shell of yourself and you harbor all that in. So for me, I just feel like that's one of the biggest ways that I see it negatively impacting us is that, we just get put in this box in this bubble where we just kind of have to contain and kind of just hold off, like hold off who we really are. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, I, I played in Germany for, you know, for a long time. Um, and yeah, man, there's been situations where uh, my coach will refer to me as a nigger, bro. Mm. You know? How that like, feel too? What? As well, bro. Talk about, talk about that. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> This is like after practice, we come in the locker room and it's just me and this other uh, Ghanaian named Joe Bafo from Sweden. And the coach made him just, he was like, yo, bring cake for the team. It was nobody's birthday. It was nothing. He was like, just bring cake. I was like, I'm not doing it. You can do it if you want. So he was like, fine. This man spends like bread on, on pastries for the whole team, brings it in. After practice, everybody's eating on it. And then the coach comes in, he's like, hmm. The nigger brought nigger cake. And I was like, uh, oh, did you? I was like, did you just say that? Nah. Like, what? What? Looking around. And then I was like, you just said the nigger brought nigger cake. And then obviously everybody's like, whoa, whoa, relax. Hey, nah. he didn't mean it like that. He didn't mean it like that. And <laughs> how can you after mean that's what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like, and after that moment, like, bro, we're just sitting, me and him are just sitting there. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, what am I going to do? Tee off on my coach? Like, right. that's how a quick way to end your career fast. You'll yeah. never play again. Yeah. No one will take you either because they'll spin the narrative. So mm-hmm. we're just sitting there like, damn, we really are going to have to just bottle this up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about it. And just having that weird feeling of knowing that's how your coach looks at you, but you got to go out there and play for this man. Mm-hmm. And, like, it put me in a weird spot. But then it got to a point where it was like, I'm not balling for this man. I'm balling for me, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I put all that stuff to the, to the side <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to do this solely for myself. And that's what the position is. A lot of times when you're, when you're playing for coaches like that, it becomes, I'm not playing for him. I'm playing for me. You know what I mean? So yeah, that stuff, it, it gets weird when you maneuver in those murky waters, bro. It's, it gets weird. To piggyback on that one, yeah, because you guys know I was in Germany for like two years for Schalke. And yeah, just like what my man's talking about, not not my coach, because you know my coach was always like a person, but like the players. Like, you know, we were we were diverse. We had a couple black players, you know, German players, Turkish players, you know, those things like that. 
Turkish with the blacks, Germans with the Germans, you know yeah, what I'm saying? That's how it is. It's kind of segregated in a way, but we're together. And, you know, the Germans, you could always peep, like, you know, the Germans had some ill intentions towards, like, you know, the Turkish and the black players. And it was, like, one time, like, I think we won um, a rival game or something, like, versus Dortmund or some shit. And it was, like, one of the the German guys was just, like, yeah. Like, he had, you know, me and another black guy with his, on his shoulders, like, yeah, my niggers. Like, yeah. Bro, they do that stuff. They play around with that they stuff they a play, lot They play, they play, and they play. You know what I'm saying? They think that shit's funny. And I'm just, like... Like, after that, like, I don't even care about that. We just won a derby zig. Like, bro, that's not cool. Like, that shit is not, you know what I'm saying? Like, the shit that we go through and all that stuff, you can't, you don't play about those words, you know what I'm saying? And and that, and after that, it's just like, am I really playing for guys that really think of me like this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really have to, you know, wake up in the morning, go to school for these guys, learn German, yeah. this and that. You know what I'm saying? You know, put effort, extra effort. Sometimes, you know, guys, you know, oh, want money and this and that because I have a pro contract. Like, nah, bro, I'm not going for none of that. You need to act right, first of all. First and foremost, don't ever say that shit again. You know what I'm saying? And they, they and then they want to pull, like, oh, I'm angry. Nah, bro, that's wrong. Like, you don't do those stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit, it's, and it, it hurts, and, it's, and it, call, it affects you mentally. You know what I'm saying? Like, makes you question I'm, a lot of shit. I'm here, I'm here alone. I'm 17 at the time, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's emotional. Like, yo, like, I'm fighting back tears right now because it's just like, damn, like, I really have to go through this? Like, I could I could be at home with my family, you know what I'm saying? Eating my Jamaican food, you know what I'm saying? Kicking yeah. it. But I'm but all you, all you want to do is chase your dream, you know? Yeah. All I'm trying all to you want is, is, is make a better situation for me and my family, but it's yeah, just exactly. like... Just play stress-free, no roadblocks. Like that. But then you got to come into but a like, situation. Right. But, like, what, what stops that? You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's really hard to, you know, try to – it's a bunch of individuals, you know what I mean? So people are going to think what they think. People are raised the way that they're raised. Uh, it's, for me, it's just that people are allowed to do things without consequence. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. those officers are allowed to do whatever they want to do without any kind of consequence. And that reinforces that original idea. So that coach is able to call Joe a nigger. And there's no consequence. Like the whole no consequence. Yeah. You know, every I mean? player was in there. This so is, what does that do? Is... So what does that do to the mental? It says, it says like, all right, well, coaches did that. Like that's allowed. Like yeah. that reinforces yeah. it every single time. You know what I mean? Learn so behavior. fight an uphill battle every single fucking time. Yeah. I think that comes to what we were saying earlier. How it's just become normalized. All of this is just become normalized, and we've learned to just be like, okay, like. It's the same thing with mom. She's like, "Yo, look, like, don't, don't worry about what they're saying." It's, it's, and then again, Joe, like, it's like you get called a nigga on the field or whatever. It's always be the bigger man. Yeah. We gotta be yeah. the bigger man. Why? Why does you know why do I mean? we have to do that? Yeah, exactly. It's huh. like it's like don't mind him, you know, stooping to that level. Be the bigger man, and we gotta hold our tongue and like walk away. Yeah, in, in reality, and that's the thing. That's the thing. We've been dealing with this for as long as we can remember and and it's just the fact that we have to keep all of that in and when we do finally explode and we're not taking shit oh we're the angry black man you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying we're the oh we're, we're this and that like no we're just tired we're fed up it's like walking the tightrope man it's mm -hmm. like walking the tightrope literally people will never understand how hard it is to be black yeah. they actually never understand because they can go through the, the, the situations and circumstances that we go through like it's fucking hard how do y'all think we can change that, though? Because I feel like 
a lot of people blame it on ignorance, but it's kind of like you say something and just human knowledge, you see how others will react. And I mean, if you're just a person, like a human being, then you actually try and reach out and see why they reacted a certain way. But a lot of people blame, like even the nigger comments said like, oh, we just don't know, you know, how it makes you feel or blame it on ignorance. And I think you guys say it all the time. It's a problem. And then asking other, you know, black people around you, like, how, I mean, I think it's, I mean, for us, it's just common knowledge. Why that, that word is never cool to say, but it's like, even if you have to, you know, say the obvious to these people, it's like, we might just have to bite the bird and tell them like, yo, that's not an okay thing to say. And it's like, at that point, if they choose not to, you know, listen to what you're saying, it's like, gotta cut them off, bro. But it is very hard when that person is your head coach. When you're in a coach, when you're, when you're in that setting, you know, um, like my boy Shaka was saying, or what I was saying about, you know, when you're in that setting, it was only two of us on the team. It's only two of us. So you're sitting there and you want to play your games. And if, 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 if the, if the coaching staff, if the staff is saying this stuff and nothing is happening, who else are you going to go to? Mm-hmm. Who? Yeah. Who's going to, who's going to reprimand him? You know yeah. what I mean? So, and then when after a game and his teammates say it and they're all laughing, he's, he's there alone. Who yeah. is he going to go to? Who? Not until what they were saying about, you know, DeMarcus Beasley getting, getting people in power in those positions, will there be able to be some consequences? But until then, like, if I tee off and punch somebody, then I look like the idiot. I'm the bad guy. And they'll man. spin it. And they'll spin it. They'll spin it. You're the only one. You're the only one there. The only one. You're the only one. They'll, the only and they'll one. find a way to say, they'll find a way to say that, no, they didn't say that word. You have asked that pop off because they hear monkey noises in the crowds. People are justifying the people in the crowds calling them or calling them all these racial slurs, and they're actually defending them and saying, oh, they overreacted, they shouldn't kick the ball away, they shouldn't have stopped playing. But they don't know how it feels to be one of probably 70,000 black people in the whole fucking stadium, and you're just harassing the person, constantly calling them all these racial nasty terms and they get surprised when you know you pop off like i'm actually getting heated talking about it because it's just yeah it's just so common sense that it's even it's ridiculous that we're even having this conversation like oh why am i getting mad that you're throwing bananas at me or making monkey chats like it's crazy to me bro Piggy, nah. in this situation, I always think of uh, Moises Keane over at Juventus, when he was at Juventus. Mm-hmm. And they were killing him that one game, like all the racists. And, you know, he went, you know, and tried to combat them after he scored. He, you know, he kind of celebrated in his face. And Benucci, Benucci came out and was like, you know, both of them, both of them were wrong. Still blamed him. Answer wrong. Your own teammate, man. This dude's a teenager, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it's like, where's the solid where is the team? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, the team, the whole team idea just goes out the window. Yeah. Piggybacking off that, like, what actions specifically? I know we see people sharing posts. People have been hitting us up, like, what do, what do I need to do? Some people are donating. We all know after these next couple of days, especially at this weekend, shit's about to die down. People are re- ain't really about to be supporting us like that. So what actions 
really need to be done to send a message clearly. Like, obviously, we can do things like Western McKinney wear a little armband. Maybe we have to do a little something every single game for the rest of the season in the MLS and USL. Obviously, as you see, kneeling gets looked at some kind of way, but maybe even not kneeling per se, but some kind of message that people know that this is still prevalent in our everyday lives. Do you I, feel, feel, I feel like what we just need to keep the conversation relevant. Like this yeah. is not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna stop until it's changed. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I gotta keep on, you know, wearing kneeling, like, like if I have to switch my nationality to to fucking make an example, then that's what I'm gonna have to do because I'm not gonna sit here and represent America when there's so much injustice. Like, there's yeah. there's so much shit going on. Like, why would I want to support and play my heart out for a country who doesn't support me? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so I just feel like. We just need to keep the conversation relevant. We need to, you know, make more people aware, have Instagram pages, you know what I'm saying, get together, you know, do a little little businesses and stuff like that to, to keep this going. Because until until there's change, we can't stop. We can't we can't stop posting. We can't stop talking about this situation. Because more people, more black people are gonna die, more more cops are gonna get let off, you know what I'm saying? So nah, I'm not gonna stop talking about this situation. I think it's hard we it's like even something simple as kneeling during the anthem, you have people riding, seeing the problem with it. And it's like, that's as peaceful as it can get. Nobody's getting hurt. You're just kneeling. And they try and flip what you're doing into something negative. Like, oh, he's disrespecting America. He's disrespecting the flag. It's like, no, he's kneeling because America has never been for him. You know what I'm saying? Like over 400 years of slavery and we're still getting oppressed to this day. We're still not having the equality that we should have, and there's still privilege all over the board. And it's yeah. like something as simple as that is sparking riots and all this anger. It's like I feel like in order to target the problem, we need white people to understand their privilege and to understand that this is what we're fighting for, and that's it, honestly. Like, but the question is, what will we do when they don't understand? Yeah, you know. So what I think we do when they don't. Joe, to answer that, bro, I honestly believe we just need to apply pressure in every way. So, like for me personally, I think like with the whole like me personally, would I go and loot? No. But do I see people's plight? Yeah, and I think looting is what's causing people to is what's causing the react is actually causing change. Like those guys weren't about to get charged if they if all this didn't happen. You know what I mean? So I think if, and it sounds, it may sound too aggressive. It may, it may but like, it's got to get to the point where we, we can do whatever, something peacefully, or we have to take up action and actually be aggressive with it. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something, bro. It can't be, it, it can't be, it just can't be, you know, that we do nothing. The, the conversation has to continue. It has to keep going. Cause that's the only way it's gonna, it's gonna I change. For me, I'll just piggyback that. So something I've thought about, um, and this has been something I thought about for time, and it's, it's <laughs> how do we influence that change? How do we change things? And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt right now. There's a lot of emotion, um, and that's that's real. That's 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 something that's been deeply rooted for a very long time. Um, you know, we talk about conversation. That's that's key um, for me. And you know, talking you know conversation. Those who don't hear you right now, we're in a period where a lot a lot's gone on, and there's a lot of attention right now right and it's how do we keep that going how do we keep that conversation going because to be honest it's not something that can be done alone 
You know what I mean? Like it, it, I wish, I personally wish it could, you know, I wish, I wish we could, but we need at some point for those conversations to hit home. Right. And we need more, I think white people to stand with from, from a place of, of honesty and truth of that's how they feel to stand with us in moments when, you know, when we, when we are taking a knee, I think about this, when we are taking a knee, you know, Tim, would it, would it have been completely different if everybody in that locker room stood with him or, or no? Yeah, man, it would have been different, but guys, it would different. Exactly. In, in a moment like this, where, where there's momentum around these issues um, for, you know, for, for us, when we go back out to play, um, having the converse, the meaningful conversation one, you know what I'm saying? Once we start changing, you know, it could be one, you know, one viewpoint at a time or helping somebody to understand one conversation at a time and something like this to help some on, on a mass um, scale, help people understand. I think so for me, real um, when, you know, all these things that are going on now turn to the, the white man standing with the black man. And that to me is, is when, when things will truly start to change and how do, how do we get there? I, I think the start of it, yeah. Continue to having conversations, um, the, the really uncomfortable conversations at times, but, uh, I, I struggle to find a clear path of how to get there. But all I, all I know is what, what I'm right now, what can I do right now? Um, I've, and that's why I love having these conversations because I mean, if, if anybody wants to shed light on uh, how to get to the point, um, I think we'd be, we'd be way better off. No, Sean, I agree with you 100%. I think the conversations that need to be had are they, – they, they have to be uncomfortable. <clears throat> they have to be truth, truthful and honest. For example, this morning I was on a IG Live with my coach, who's a white man, you know. And uh, I said, all right, well, you know, first and foremost, I have, I have my feelings about them asking me to do the show because, you know, you do be paranoid out here. Like in a way I, I felt like I was being a pawn, but anyways, that's a long story. But <laughs> I said, I said, no, for real though. But like in a way I, I was like, right, well, if, I, if I'm going to be on, you know, in the front talking about something, I'm going to give them the 100. I'm going to open up and be, be vulnerable to the point where people are like, for real, tell stories about how I experienced things that make me the type of black man I am today. And, you know, the responses have been great. You know, obviously on IG, we always have those bad apples that were like, yo, we need to talk about soccer. This is BS and commenting all that BS or whatever. Yeah. But the text messages and messages that I've gotten from people, they've really like, you know, expressed that, wow, I had no idea you felt that way. You know, like I just see Pebo, the soccer player who's, you know, who's living his best life, doing what he wants to do for, you know, as a living, but no idea he experienced those personal, you know, things on, on that level. So I definitely agree with you, Sean. I think that in order to have the, or I guess change, but like have these conversations that are very uncomfortable to the point where they're uncomfortable for, your, for yourself. Because even me, man, like I don't be getting on Instagram or, or social media like that. I like to hang back, kick back and be low key. But like for me, it was really kind of like, I guess prevalent to, to go there and be uncomfortable. So people see that vulnerability and they're like, wow, this is really changing this guy. Like he really feels a type of way about it. And, you know, maybe they change, maybe they don't, but I feel like, you know, for the former, they, they, they will, they will change. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this and I'll, I'll pick it to everybody else just to kind of, <laughs> in, in my thoughts, 
Um, when we talk about a situation like, you know, we, we talked about Drew Brees at the beginning of it, and, you know, we can we can kick it back to talking about Colin Kaepernick. You know what I'm saying? If everybody, if everybody was kneeling with Cap and there was one person who decided to, to stand up and not kneel, you know what I mean? That's also a very strong, strong message that, you know, when we get to that point where people start to stand with, you know what I'm saying? We, we go out and do, to play a game, we're a national anthem, we have, you know, whatever, two, three, four, five black guys in the lineup, they're throwing a fist in the air. Now your teammates are joining in with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then there, there's a there's one person who refuses to do it, you know what I mean? Or and, and now they have to explain themselves in an uncomfortable way of how come they don't support, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's when the narrative starts to, to change a little bit. And that's where, like, I feel like we're kind of at a little tipping point, like, in society. If we can start to... You know what I'm saying? You start to see more cops say to other cops, yo, 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 that's not cool, dog. You know what I'm saying? And now that we have camera phones and, and, and video recordings, we, we start to see some of these things. But when that becomes widespread, when when things, when you when people start to stand for what's right and people start to, ver- to verbalize and condone what's wrong, I think you start to, to really make progress. And that's, that's, that's where I'll, I'll kind of leave it, but I mean, I'll, that's, yeah. that's just how I feel. Yeah. To piggyback on that, I, I do feel what you're saying because, like, five, five, six years ago, centuries ago, you know, it was really us as black men only talking about the problems that we were going through, that the people who were dying, you know what I'm saying? But now we have the whole world who's seen. We have Nike, Adidas, all these big platforms supporting the cause, and they're saying, okay, we see you, we hear you. Like, it's time for a change. So I feel like we're moving in the right direction but the job's not done, you know what I'm saying? So like, we still have, have ways to go, but I feel right now, the world is noticing that that shit needs to be changed. So yeah. I'm I think just, as us as players and whatnot, um, just kind of piggyback what was said earlier, was like, to, to begin to like take where we are in our own communities and our own teams and, and put the pressure on those guys in our own groups, we could start there. And that was something that like we've, the guys on my team here, we've been talking about setting something up for next Wednesday. Um, because, again, once Jordan started speaking, you started watching people break down and, and like, kind of get emotional about it. I'm watching white guys get emotional about it because they didn't understand that. But they could see the pain and hear it in Jordan's voice. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of watching them. Like, that's, that's what we're after here at the end of the day. And it's like, can we begin to, to, to put the pressure on them in that way? You know what I mean? Without not not just sharing our own experiences, because at the end of the day, they, they still won't be able to relate. But to ask them why they can't see things our way, and that's where I was also going to ask you guys, like, because me and Jordan have been talking about, it. like I said, we've been setting up something for next Wednesday where we're all going to kind of, you know, get a group together, the whole team together, and kind of like sit down and kind of have this discussion again. But how do you how do you present this to them? Are you are you trying to make it a book club where you're sitting here like read this, watch this and we'll, we'll talk about it. Or are you just sitting there opening it up as a whole to be like, you know, this is what I've gone through again, ask the question to them. Like, you know, how do y'all feel about it? Like what is the right way to go about it? How are you presenting this conversation to them to make it make sense? Mm-hmm. We actually, I like, I like the ideas, you know? Um, and as I was saying earlier in the, uh, it's like that's the that's really really important for the short term you know like we have to have uncomfortable conversations i'm all about that how do we get people engaged but at the end of the day 
this shit runs deep, you know. Y'all mentioned 400 years of slavery, you know, how long people have been going through this, you know. So there's always going to be a group of people who don't want to listen, who won't listen, and who are stuck in their ways, you know what I mean? So from a long-term perspective, the way I see it is, like, y'all touched on it with, with bees, it's like we got to take care of our own. We got we to gotta have our dollar be powerful. We got to have our voice be be heard. But that's not a sprint, you know what I'm saying? That's something that all of us, the, the brothers in this call right now, that we can take a stand, take steps to uplift those younger, those older mentors of ours. How are we challenging them to to, to take steps forward? <clears throat> so I think from, um, you know, short term, yeah, we need to engage in conversations, but people are going to hide. And, and some people are so so ingrained in their thoughts that they don't even want to hear change. They don't even want to hear what we got to say. And for those type of people, the only way we can counteract that is to rise up. You know what I'm saying? Have our own dollar, have our own clubs, make our own decisions. Yeah. And the black dollar is so powerful. I mean, they take black culture. I mean, damn. Everything, everything. If you imagine if we had, you know, a black Wall Street right now, how powerful our people <laughs> Be. I mean, where, are those, where are those white girls? That's a whole other conversation right now. Hey, bro. Yeah, bro. I mean, look, I saw that. <laughs> they love everything. The white can't <laughs> Yo, my <laughs> thing, my thing with these, my thing with these clubs, man, is that you know, as players, I think sometimes we don't understand the type of power that we have. Exactly. Um, in terms of kind of changing that narrative, and in terms of being able to hold these these clubs accountable. You know, like Drew, Bre Drew Brees, he believes what he believes in. Sure. Like that didn't change today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that apology does not change that. He's just embarrassed. Right. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing yeah. to say something like that in this day and age. You know what I mean? And for a club to be able to sit on the fence, you know, and say something like, you know, we stand since the beginning of our inception, we've stood against racism. It's like, all right, cool. But what have you done? Right. Like, yeah. let us know exactly what you've done. And if not, we'll tell you exactly what we want you to do with, with, within our community, within, like, locally, you know what I mean? There's power in that. And it also, like you said, like, we'll see who's standing up. We'll see the people who don't want to do it, and then we put them on blast. You know what I mean? We make it very, very public so that, look, you got you to gotta pick a side, either one. Like, I don't care which one it is, but people are going to know, and you will be embarrassed. Um, simple as that, like, especially in, in, in the leagues as well. Like, you know, with – you know, the Pride Month, like it's Pride Month right now. And teams did a really good job of like, you know, this is what we're doing. This is going to be a thing. Like your, your Pride jersey is right there in your locker room. And now the league has that image. You know, like it's, it's, it's very easy for them to do these little things. Like, uh, for example, like you could put like text this number, text George Floyd to this number on the, on, on the big board. They do it, you know what I mean? Like, if someone's gonna do a trivia contest at halftime, then they'll do that. Like, make sure your image is spotless and, you know, that you're making clear what side of history you're gonna be on, because we all wanna know. That's the that's the big thing for me, what, what you said, Aaron, is like, if we're, we can have these conversations and they're key. Like, we gotta have these conversations, but we gotta have these conversations with the right people as well, and we gotta hold these people to the, to the fire. Like the, the owners who, who, are, who are the ones that own these teams, they're wealthy people, they have power, they got political cachet, right? The owner of our team, one of the owners of our team is a, was a part of uh, Trump's administration. Like he has the, the political cachet to, to make change in, in this world, right? So, and they have no problem uh, co-opting gay pride. They have no problem co-opting, you know, Noche Latina for the, for the Hispanics night. But, but when they can't monetize the black struggle, 
they, they, they go silent, right? And that's my issue right now is like, we, you see how many teams are represented here, right? We can all hold our, the, the front office, you know, the, the owners of these clubs, the investors of these clubs, we can hold them accountable. We can have those conversations with them and say, hey, why aren't you guys, you know, making a statement, not just making a statement, but putting some action behind that statement. If you, so, if you, like, if you were so much of a community club, if you, com- if, or if you represent me, you support me as a black man, then you should support my community as well. And that's the issue that I have with a lot of these clubs is you call yourself community club. You call you say you support your community, but when your community is hurting, I don't hear you. I don't see you. Right. And that's, I think that's where we have to stand up as, you know, strong black men in our clubs, leaders in our clubs to step up to these front office people to step up to these owners and say, Hey, look, I, we need you. And if you're in, like Aaron said, if you've got to pick a side of the fence, either you're going to be on our side or you're going to be on the other side, but I need you to, to pick a side. I need you to stand up and, and, and voice that. And Brandon, that, that's, that's mad funny. Cause like, that's kind of goes back to what I said earlier about feeling like I was a pawn, you know, because exactly. when they asked me, when they asked me to do the interview, yeah. When I, when they asked me to do the interview, it wasn't like people, I understand how everything is going on. Um, you know, how's everything blah, blah, blah. It was just like, do you feel comfortable talking in front of, uh, you know, IG Live, or do you, do you feel comfortable doing that? And I was like, bro, like, I, like, have some type of sensitivity. Like, luckily, my coach, he understands. He actually orchestrated a forum for the team, for the group, and said, you know, this is a platform for you guys to talk about it. Let's talk about it. So that's the reason why I was like, yeah, coach got my back, so he understands. But at the same time, I was like, if I came to you guys with a plan on how to, how to you know, progress past just doing an IG Live, like, will you guys ride with me? And, and at the, that's a question mark right now, you know? It's, it's, we need more of that. We need more action after that. We can't just post a, something on Instagram or so Twitter and, and, and have an IG Live or whatever and say, oh, our job is done. What are we doing to, to, to fix this, you know? That's, uh, that's why I was going to say to Hugh, like, like this, what we're doing now is, is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're getting together. We're having these conversations. We're, we're making it known. Like, this shouldn't just be one episode. You know what I'm saying? This should be two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes about this. We should we shouldn't leave it after at this after this. We should keep it going and keep on talking about this because at the end of the day, it hasn't stopped. So until 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 we see change, we need to keep on going at it. We need to keep on applying pressure on the wound. I like that. Yeah, and then, and that that's another thing I was gonna say is like you're saying this should be however many episodes. That's holding each other accountable at the same time as black men, like. Um, you know, just talking to my boys that, you know, Fatai from Cincinnati as well, it's like, we're joking about it at the end of the day. It's like, if we're laughing about it, because it's like, yo, what, what, what's good with white people right now? How are they just now seeing this? You know, we're laughing about it and everything like, but we're at the end of the day, we're sitting on the couch having this conversation, not really, you know, maybe applying pressure on people in, that, in the right way. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely fall on our shoulders to be holding everybody around us, our, our friends, our, our teammates, our the people in our community accountable to make sure that we're doing this on a daily basis. So it's like, you can't just sit sit and have a conversation all the time. We, we're gonna have to take action at some point. Yeah. Facts. It's a lot of these clubs though, man, and not just clubs and football, but organizations in general, is they trying, they trying to not make people not like them versus yeah actually stand up for something, you know, a lot of times it's like, all right, well, all right, gay rights, but, you know, Chick-fil-A, so are we going to sell the Chick-fil-A sandwiches, or are we going to, which side are we going to choose, all right, let's play the fence, you know what I mean, we ain't trying to ruffle no feathers, and I think that's what you get in this, it's like, okay, well, 
if we don't stand up for the black community where we have black players and, and what's that going to say to them? But, you know, we don't want to say too much because we got fans and we need that money and, uh, you know, merchandise and this and that. And we don't want to destroy our image with that side, you know? So uh, that pressure you talk about, that's vital that it's like, look, man, this is, I experience this every day. I go through this. My, my people go through this every day. And even if I'm not directly affected in the George Floyd moment right now, it affects me because it's affecting my mental. It's affecting my performance. So it affects my job. You know what I mean? Like, and that's all of us. So as a club, as an organization, whether it be sports or not, I think it's important that, that you, you stand up and, and you take a stand, you know? Um, but that's why I said earlier, it's most important that we, we put our own house in order. And when we got our own shit, right. then of course we're going to stand up for ourselves. Right. I think it's crazy you say that because like, you definitely see some clubs like they feel like they have to put out a statement or say something just because like they have black, a few black supporters or some black players. They're not doing it because they actually understand our struggle or what's even going on. Like, I know right. one club, I'm not going to put them on, but I should, that the players had to reach out to the owner and they put out a, like a, a bullshit statement that, pretty much might as well have said all lives matter in big ass caps and just ended it there. And it's like, they're not understanding why people are angry, why there's protests, why there's all this. They're just like, Oh, well, everyone else is doing it. It'll look bad if we don't post something. So let's just throw out a, a bullshit comment. You know what I'm saying? So like for the club to truly understand um, what we're going through and experiencing, that's the next step. Cause I saw one team, um, Tampa Bay Rowdies, their statement was spot on. You know, they included Black Lives Matter, and they even went on and include, like, they're donating to different funds, you know, every year. And it's like, that's the type of action we need in writing and holding our clubs accountable in doing that. You know what I'm saying? Because there are black people that are a big part of the organization that are experiencing the injustice throughout the whole you know their lives so uh, I, I agree with that but also alluding to what george was saying like getting our own house in order like if we had you know when we start building up our communities building up our organizations to where we can start removing funds from certain things and then they're like oh wow we gotta slow up real quick we can't lose such and such money from this organization you know what i mean so just being able to, and it starts, it starts from the bottom up. So, you know, all of us in here, we're, we're well-educated, but there's a lot of people that are disenfranchised and, you know, it's our duty as brothers to be able to reach out to our communities, you know, people that are less fortunate, inform them as well, get them involved in certain programs, trying to be able to start nonprofits, you know, volunteering in certain areas where we can get some of these young kids in the inner city playing soccer, because I'm, I mean, there's been some times where I go down to D.C. and my dad will run clinics for like, you know, a couple summers. And you'll see some of these kids like really picking up, man. And, you know, when we were going back to the pay to play, some of them fell off because they couldn't, right. you know, pay the money to get into these organizations or they couldn't get a scholarship. But like you can see, like if they stick soccer, like shit would be real hectic, you know. So right. just trying to put put organizations in position to where we can lift up our people to where the situation becomes undeniable. Because just like as a player, when situations happen in the club where you feel like, you know, you're being discriminated against, 
you got to be able to rise above it to where you're undeniable, to where they got to put you on the field. Just like that is what we got to do off the field by putting our house in order, you know? Piggybacking off of that house in order thing, lastly for me, people kind of mentioned this to me a couple of days ago. Do you guys think there needs to be a diversity committee? For example, last year, some of you guys might remember out west in the USL, there's an incident where a Spanish player called a black player a nigga, and the black player went on Twitter and kind of, you know, say... I was, on, I was on the team. You're on the team, right? So yeah. Oh, he's on Tulsa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So do y'all yeah. think there needs to be a committee that backs up minority players on each team, maybe tell owners, you know, you need X amount of people on the roster, you need to have certain minimum wages or internationals, just something where players of our color and minority races are being represented throughout the I league. Don't, I don't feel like it should be something from each team. I should feel like it should be a whole right. or a league, league perspective. No? Yeah. Like the it shouldn't, it shouldn't be one, two. Yeah, it should be right. everyone together. You know what I'm saying? When they're having these big meetings, like that, I mean, I think the diversity board would be a great idea, but I just think that they should have these black people in the office ready in the office yeah i'm saying like at these meetings and having like in a position where they can voice their opinion not no bullshit you know position where they're just sitting there taking notes or whatever like when they're actually voicing their opinion and these people around them are taking heed to these facts that they're like they're saying and they're like okay let's take that into account and actually take it into account mm-hmm. you know i think it'd be a next step you know what i'm saying i think I think for us as players, um, we all have a voice within like USOPA, MLSPA, like you, you can speak to your reps, whatever the case is. I think we have to take the initiative to now make that something that we want to be seen in our, like, so when we speak to our reps, we like, look, we need this in the CBA or we need this to be a part of, you know, moving forward. Like we talk to our reps, like, look, I don't think we're getting enough recognition or we're not doing enough in these communities, we need to find a way to mandate this. Because if we can make it to the point where it's mandatory, where they have to hear us, then they have no, there's no choice. There's no straddling the fence like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to do this po- this post and that's it. Now, if it's mandatory, you have to do it. So we got to get to the point where like us as players, we're applying pressure to the PA, our respective PAs to just do something, like do something do something of action. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you see Gay Pride Month comes up, it's mandatory that everyone gets a jersey and everyone mandatory. has to get a jersey for that shit. So That's a mandatory thing? Bro, every, yeah. I haven't you have seen to wear the jersey. not do it. I haven't seen a team not support the cause. You have to wear the jersey. They'll put the, the rainbow flag on the, the back. You, got, you have to wear it. No, no, I know you got to wear the jersey, but is it mandated by the teams that they have to represent a Gay Pride Jersey or an event of some sort. There's a designated night per, per team that teams that do support the cause um, has a designated night, and that's the popular, you know, legally it's different, but I know, like Joe said, like putting, you know, the, the, the multicolored uh, numbers in support on the back of a jersey is like, is that sign maybe for one game? Um, and may, like I, I know personally with our club, we have a gay pride night. You know, for one of one of the home games, um, yeah. you know what I'm saying. 
So yeah, maybe we need a Black Lives Matter night for real. That's what I'm saying. We need and you th- and if you think, think of, for sure. if you think about it, if you're if you're the one team that decides not to do it, how does it make you look? If you're the one and team that doesn't do the game, and, and, you know what I mean. So like, the one player doesn't deal with the rest of his teammates, right? That, right. That's the type of pressure we're talking about. Hundred percent. But that's not the pressure that we can apply to them because at the end of the day, they're not going to get it. Because gay people and all everyone who's been going on with the gay pride and stuff like that, they were applying pressure like there was no more pressure to apply. They were they, they were on the streets marching everything until they were heard. We need to be heard. And but it's crazy that. because we've been trying to get heard for years, centuries, and it's it's crazy how the, the exactly. LGBT, the, the gay community, how in such a short amount of time, how much success they've had mm-hmm. in all the protests and marching and whatnot. Yeah, but how long have we been fighting to be heard? Yeah, and still. We, we we haven't been heard, and then it takes all these these un unjust killings of black men, uh, of black people in general, in order for us to be heard. And then when we are enraged enough to go out and act and to express that, that that anger, you know that frustration. Now it's like, oh well, you shouldn't do this. Well, exactly. Captain took a knee. Oh well, okay, well you can't do this. All right, well, w- w- what's it gonna take? an organization predominantly run by white people. Walter Scott's, the Freddie Grays, the Breonna Taylors, you know what I'm saying? This this stuff happened years ago. Why now? That's how I feel. Why why is this just now happening now? You know, it's quarantine, bro. It's because quarantine, everybody's at home. It's something to focus on. It comes down also, I think, as black men in power, you know, in in these positions that we're in, it comes down to the empowerment of our young individuals coming up, that next generation of entrepreneurs, businessmen, uh, uh, engineers, scientists, empowering them. Um, look at these fraternities and whatnot, how they pass down these generational uh, inheritances to, to an extent. You know, we need to be able to pass down this savvy to the next generation right. because we want to be empowered. We want to be the ones now dishing out. You know what I'm saying? Whereas these white people, they, they just get it dished out, passed down, passed on the line. Yeah. You know, we're trying to work our way up the ladder. What if we already got people in that position? Mm-hmm. Like like Joe said earlier, we want to be the ones where it's hurting if we don't we don't contribute. It's hurting if we don't donate. Uh, so, no, yeah, sure. I, I think to to go off of that and answer your question a little bit more, he like I, I talked to Bilal about this the other day. Um, I mean, you look at I don't know how what the MLSPA looks like, but the USLPA is we have a board of directors and we have an executive committee, and there's one black face on that whole committee, um, and there's what like eight or nine people in that in that committee. And I understand we're we're young and, and and still growing, but still we need we need faces to represent us, and just like we need it in the USLPA to to represent the players, we need it in the in the uh, in the league office. Uh, so when the league office is making decisions, there's people who look like us, who understand us, who, who can you know kind of combat the situations that kind of, that come along. So I think it's important for us to keep pushing, and not just on the players' association side, but from a league level as well. Great. Yeah, get, get our feet in the door and and be a part of that representation. You know what we talk about PAs, and you know if we if we have qualms about PAs and. I'm saying like ownership, like at every level, start with a step. You know what I mean? And if we can get involved, like you said, in those PAs, and we can be a part of the the, the bargaining committees and, and e boards um, to start the diverse diversity there, um, to start to diversify at those levels. And like Joe said, it starts from the ground up, and we can do what we can. You know, now in the positions we're in, who's who's stopping us? You know, who's stopping us from becoming? You know, what I'm saying right. guys in those positions within our leagues and then once we're once we start to move on um we can start having a plan of how we're going to then start to to climb that ladder so now how do we become 
you know, in those meetings, in those discussions, um, a part of those boards that are created um, for different leagues. Um, but important to think about, you know, as we talk about what we can do, as we look at the, the you know, the end goal, you know, what can we all do now? Like, don't, don't leave, you know, I hate to be cliche, don't leave any stone unturned. Like if we can, if we can do it, let's not, if we, if we have the ability to actually take action, you know what I'm saying? Instead of maybe like complaining about some things that we can just ourselves, you know, be a part of and be a part of that. Let's, let's go ahead and do that, man. Let's go ahead and start that today. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's Challenging blanket statements that, that, that these clubs are not posted. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. Even for my club personally, uh, the owners are not call us and, you know, specifically call myself and, and Ray and asking how you feeling, how you feeling. Well, you just posted this, this, you know, this blanket statement talking about, oh, we support you guys. And we, but what are y'all really doing? What are y'all really yeah. doing? Making sure we're challenging these people in power and making sure that, that although to, to them we may be dispensable, we aren't. You know what I'm saying? Making sure that that presence is felt. You know, and if, if, if you want to be on my bad side, you're going to know what my bad side look like. Right. Mm. But I think we, we've all got a responsibility as leaders in our clubs, as, as black men in our club, leaders in our clubs, to, to lead our teams and lead our organizations and step up and really, really force change. Because uh, it's not going to happen just, you, you said it, like the, the statements that were put out, some were good, some were bad. But if there's no actions behind them, then they're pointless, right? And if there's no action from us, then it's, it's not going to be driven. The change isn't going to be driven. So I think we've got a responsibility um, just as, as a group of black men to, to continue this conversation and to, to really push and force for change. Um, and, you know, that's, that's my goal, uh, to continue to force this club here in Charlotte to do better. And, and hopefully that's, that's everyone else's goal as well. Yeah. Like Joe said, making sure the house is solid first. And uh, But listen, y'all, I really appreciate y'all hopping on the show. It's an incredible episode. I'm kind of piggybacking off Z, I, I, the rest of the message is we need to keep going with this and keep with our voices and make sure they're heard. I'm thinking we might even have to do this at least once a month or something, so this keeps uh, on. Not even once a month, bro. I'm feeling once a month. Come on, bro. Are you there? You you no monthly flex. Once a week. <laughs> if you can't make time for your own people, what the fuck are you doing? You can use it. <laughs> Respect that. Brother Z. Brother Z. I was literally typing up my message like, yo, like, we can do this once a week. Y'all be saying <laughs> 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 Once a week, you can use it. Start a group chat. Hugh, Hugh got everyone's information. Uh, yeah. And and we check in. Like, uh, yeah. what days everyone free? What days everyone don't have practice or, you know, off day or whatever? You know what I'm saying? We get this shit going because this awareness has to be raised. It has to be, it has to go up. It has to be known like, yeah, this is a problem. We need to fix it. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Right. We got to take action now, my nigga. If, if it's not now, then when? You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. When that passion and fire start to die out a little bit, we exactly. just... Exactly. Right now, it's... Who is Pete, my G? It's Pete. It's got to stay that way, man. It's got to stay that way. I'm keeping it. It's got to be channeled, too. It's got to be channeled. We got to make sure we're focused on... Exactly. Like we have a plan, you know, and we're we're sticking, yeah. and we're forcing, we're forcing the action in the right ways. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a. We're, we're representing like ten. We're representing ten different teams, two different leagues in this country, right here in this room. Right. We can already go in effect over what 
you added all up like 300 people alone in this room that we can all go ahead and affect and that continues to grow and grow like that. So it's exactly. like, the more, we, adding more, the more, more awareness is the more people you get. Next thing you know, you can have, you know, big players who, who has, you know, a million grand, you know, 500K. That's the more people, more people who get to know people who come and talk. That's their feelings. The more, the more it gets known. You feel what I'm saying? So at that, I'm going to leave it here. Y'all boys be safe. Y'all stay safe, you know what I'm saying? Stay dangerous at the same time, too. <laughs> One love, all my niggas, bro. Y'all y'all stay easy, bro. I'm going to create right, this yeah. chat and send all y'all the link to the show. I really, really appreciate sure. it. I'm sure. Sure. I already know. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to keep that voice going. Love y'all. Be easy. Stay black. One love, brother. Y'all be good. Appreciate Backyard Footy is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's BGN.FM on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the BGNFM.